Well, let's, uh, let's join our hearts together in prayer as we go to our wonderful Heavenly Father, our Abba Father. Lord, we, we praise you, we worship you, we adore you. And Lord, there's just not enough adjectives to describe how wonderful you are. And, but Lord, we, we just ask God that you would continue to work in, in the lives of this congregation and uh, Lord, it's so encouraging to see what God is, what you're doing in different lives. And uh, so, Father, help us all to keep our eyes on Jesus. Um, Lord, we, we come this morning lifting up these requests to you. And um, I continue to lift up Russ and... and uh, Rachel there in, in uh, Chicago is with their loss of Sarah Jane. And Lord, uh, uh, comfort, bring comfort to their hearts. And uh, Lord, work in the lives of his family to bring them to Christ. We lift up Gail to you this morning. And uh, Lord, that we're thankful to you that uh, there's no heart problems as, as they... Uh, surmised and we give you thanks we lift up dad to you and and thank you lord that he has had some improvement and his spirits are good and and so lord just continue to bless him and raise him up even though he personally wants to go to be with you uh, lord we want him to stay and but we place him in your hands and uh lord uh, i thank you for ben and lord just give him strength to uh, continue to provide, and we thank you for the work that's come in. For Kevin and Scarlett, as they make preparations, as they work all of this out, and Lord, we know that you're behind the scenes and that you're in charge, and help them, Lord, to hear your voice and do what you would have them to do. Lord, we just thank you for Lydia. Uh, what a blessing she's been to all of us. And Lord, I just pray that you would bless her and all of her endeavors where she goes. And, uh, oh God, we just commend her to you, knowing that uh, you will watch over her and, and bless her. And, uh, uh, God, we give you all the praise now and the glory uh, for what you're doing in each of our lives. And uh, help us, Father, to... To get, sing praises to you, to pray to you every day. And Lord, we lift up our nation to you. Have mercy on our nation. And all the corruption, all the, the things that are going on that seem like insanity. Uh, oh, have mercy, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yeah. Romans, yes. Oh, I did not. Thank you. Yes, uh, with Carl gone, we will not have a, a Bible study tonight. And uh, I suggest, thank you, Janine. I'd forgotten to mention that. Matter of fact, that was the other thing Ronnie told me to say. <laughs> I couldn't remember. And so. oh, yes, exactly right. Yes, Ronnie knows. Yeah, Ronnie knows. Uh huh. And so, Romans chapter 15. I'll be reading verses 30 through 33. This will be the last message from Romans 15. Uh, so 
Now I urge you, brethren, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God for me, that I may be rescued from those who are disobedient in Judea, and that all that my service for Jerusalem may prove acceptable to the saints, so that I may come to you in joy by the will of God and find refreshing rest in your company. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. And amen to that. Uh, we have been looking at the heart of Paul uh, these last couple of weeks. And last week we looked at the first two P's of this message, which was his personal involvement in the lives of others, his heartfelt feelings for others. And brethren, let us have heartfelt feelings for each other. That that's really sums it up. Uh, relationships. It's about relationships. Uh, he desired to be refreshed in their company, he says in verse 32. Uh, he wanted to be a blessing to them, but he wanted to be blessed by them. And uh, that's one of the reasons we assemble together. It's to be a blessing and to hear what God is doing in each of our lives. And it encourages us uh, to live the Christian faith. And also we saw last week Paul's plans to go to Rome. And uh, and of course he did end up in Rome, but but not as he wanted to go, which was as a prisoner. Uh, he didn't plan it that way, uh, but God used him, and I won't say anyway, because God used him mightily. As we looked at this verse in uh, uh, Philippians, that's okay. In uh, Philippians 1, uh, 12 and 14, uh, and of course our plans don't always happen like we would, would want. And uh, and the screen never acts like you have. <laughs> but God's in control. Philippians, we, we saw this last week. Philippians 1, 12 through 14. Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances uh, have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. So that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. And that most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. So he said God is even doing greater things because I have been in prison. So he's in charge and let us always remember that. The other verse last week that I want to remember is... Uh, the mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Hallelujah. And I hope that's true of you, uh, and uh, you, that you realize that. And we also saw uh, Romans eight twenty eight that God works all things together for good to those that love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. This week I want to look at Paul's prayer, and uh, <clears throat> we see from these verses that we read this morning that. Paul is pleading uh, for prayer from the Roman church. In uh, verse 31, uh, Paul uh, uh, tells what he wants God to do in answer to those prayers. Let me just say, uh, do you pray specifically? Do we pray 
specifically. It's not, Lord bless them, but specifics. Uh, uh, George Mueller, who was a mighty man of God, would pray, Lord, have not the wind blow this whole next week because of the orphanage and they don't have any heat. And the wind wouldn't blow for the, where it had been blowing for... <laughs> I mean, do we pray specifically to God to answer uh, prayers? And, and he, he is a God that, that uh, does marvelous things. Yeah. And, uh, but anyway, he's trying to motivate these Roman Christians to strive or to struggle to fight in prayer uh, to God for him. And the word here is to, to strive, to, to fight, to contend with, to help. And it's really soon uh, agizomo. And you can almost hear the word agony in it, can you not? Agizomo, agony. And that's how you memorize Greek, by the way, is many of the Greek words sound like the meaning and where we get the uh, uh, our meaning from. And so uh, to agonize, he says, do we really ag- agonize in prayer? Ask yourself that. Do, have you ever really agonized in prayer over something uh, that's just so on your heart that you uh, uh, want it so badly? And uh, Paul, of course, wants to go to Jerusalem with a contribution for these poor Jewish Christians and he's taken up an offering for them from the Gentile churches. And he says, pray when I go that I'll be received. That they won't say, we don't want a bunch of that old Gentile money. We're Jews. You know, and so I think this is what he's getting at here. And then also that the unbelievers would not kill him. And so we want to see this morning, did God answer that prayer? Uh, and that the church would receive his... There are two incentives for them to respond... Uh, to this prayer. Two incentives. He pleads, notice in verse 30, by the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, he pleads by the love of the Holy Spirit in verse 30. And uh, concerning the striving in prayer, agonizing in prayer. Uh, you know, we, I think we agonize in prayer, we strive in prayer according to the need that arises according to the seriousness of what we're praying for. You know, we, you don't open up the newspaper every morning and go to the obituary and say, oh, look at that so-and-so, that old guy. We didn't even, we don't know him. And so you, I don't do that. Maybe we should, but no, you agonize over things that are a burden to your heart, things that are really... You know, in this church, do we agonize with one another over each other's needs? And, oh, God, help, you know, intervene. Or do we say, Lord, just bless him. What's on TV? And I'm preaching to myself when I say that. Don't misunderstand me because I'm not pointing any fingers. Uh, some of you may have never strived in prayer, as he's talking about here. And... Uh, but we need to be striving and feel the needs of others. Feel the needs of others. And uh, some of you strive all the time in prayer. I know you do. You strive all the time. But I think all Christians will at one time or another strive in prayer. You will agonize 
as a Christian sometime in your life over a need, over somebody's uh, sickness, over something that's going on, you will agonize in prayer. I've been there. You've been there, I know. And uh, we need to be doing that. So is there anything at Grace Bible Church that we need to agonize over? Ask yourself that. Is there anything at Grace Bible Church worth striving for, worth praying over? I want you, as, and I want myself, to do this. I want us to begin to strive in prayer. That's the challenge. That's my challenge to you this morning, is to strive and agonize in prayer. Plead with God. Call out for His help. Have mercy, O Lord. We're going to see that other men and women did that. The greater the burden, the, the, the more intense will the prayer be. What does it look like when you strive like that? What does it look like when you strive like that? What or of whom are you to strive against or with in prayer? First of all, our enemies and our obstacles, we strive against, we agonize against uh, that uh, things that hinder our prayer. We, uh, in Psalm 66, 18, it says, If I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear us. Is there sin in your heart? Are you harboring sin? It says He will not hear you. So we struggle against the sin in our very lives. We also struggle with unbelief that gets in the way of prayer. In Mark 9, 24, immediately the boy's father cried out and said, I do believe. Help my unbelief. There's a whole sermon there. Uh, thirdly, are we striving with manifold distractions of every kind that draw us away from prayer? 1 Peter 4, 7, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be of what? Sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Do we let things distract us from making sound judgment when it comes to prayer? Are we uh, struggling against Satan and his principalities and powers. Ephesians 6.12 For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers. See, and again, struggle. Agonizing struggle against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Are we doing that? Because there are enemies and obstacles that we struggle against. And yet, there is a striving in prayer, namely with God Himself. It means we think of God as our only hope, and in desperation, we take hold of Him for a blessing. We realize He's our only hope. If you come to the point in your life at times and you say, God, you're my only hope. I've done everything I can do. And then we go, you know, I should have done this first. But Lord, you're my only hope. Unless you intervene in a mighty way, it's going to be bad. Cry out that way. 
Moses did that in behalf of the, the rebellious Israelites in Deuteronomy 9, 24 and 29. You have been rebellious, rebellious against the Lord from the day I knew you. So I fell down. How many times do you fall down before the Lord? The 40, uh, uh, I fell down before the Lord the 40 days and nights. 40 days and, no, no. 40. I have trouble with one day. Four minutes. Forty days and nights. Now, it doesn't mean he spent his whole time on his knees for 40 days, but you understand, I think, what he's getting at here, which I did because the Lord had said he would destroy you. I prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord God, do not destroy your people, even your inheritance whom you have redeemed through your greatness whom you have brought out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Remember your servants Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Do not look at the stubbornness of this people or at their wickedness or their sin. Otherwise, the land from which you brought us may say, because the Lord was not able to bring them into the land which he had promised, and because he hated them, he has brought them out to slay them in the wilderness. Yet they are your people, even your inheritance, whom you have brought out by your great power and your outstretched arm. Whoa, now that's agonizing in prayer. What about Hannah, who wanted a son? 1 Samuel 10 10 through 11. She greatly distressed, prayed to the Lord, and wept bitterly. Boy, now that's agonizing in prayer. Wept bitterly. How many times do we weep over situations? Maybe someone who is sick. Maybe someone who uh, uh, is without a job. Without Do we... She made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember it, and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and a razor shall not come upon his head. That was Samuel. She named him Samuel, and you know the rest of that story. What about Jesus? Are we better than Jesus? I don't, I, that's a question I hope you don't. There's no doubt that, that we're not. And being in agony, whoo, here we go again, agonizing in prayer, he was praying very what? Fervently. And his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. Woo. That's striving in prayer. And this is what you see. There's a lot in the meaning of a word in the scripture. This striving is just not like, well, I guess it's time to pray. But that's how we do it most of the time. Sad to say, and I'm not pointing fingers. No, we're talking about here intensity, agony, uh, zeal, fervor. Daniel, which was read this morning, which I was glad to see. Uh, is that it? Oh, okay. Somehow they didn't get on there. Uh, but Daniel, I'm glad we've read that. And we find he pours his heart out to God on behalf of Jerusalem and, and, and what have you. And uh, so I won't take time to read that. 
And you say, well, you know, I just don't get emotional like that when I pray. But you should. See, just because you don't do it doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. It just means you haven't done it yet. So get about it. Get to it. Agonize in prayer. We have a country that's in desperate straits. I don't know if you realize it or not, but it's on the brink of anarchy. It really is. And I'll say that publicly because this goes out over the air. It's on the brink of anarchy unless God intervenes in a great and powerful way. In anarchy, I think that such as the world, this country has never seen before, even during the war between the states. It could get that bad. But are we agonizing in prayer over that situation? And I'm guilty. Lord, bless our country. Lord, have mercy. No, it's just, it's, it's, it's more than that. Don't settle into a lifelessness in your prayers. Don't settle into a life, lifelessness in your prayers. But we do. I do it. It's kind of like, okay, let's see. What can I pray for? Okay, let's da da da, da. I'm done. TV time. Or whatever. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to move in you the emotions that Daniel had. That all these other people, Moses and Hannah. Oh Lord, he says, Daniel says, in verse, I think it's 18, I, I didn't, what up here? But, oh Lord, hear. Oh Lord, take action. Oh Lord. On and on. Lord, you've got to do this. Keep praying till you feel it. Keep praying. Keep praying till you feel it. And it's wrong to say, I'm sorry, I just can't feel fervency in prayer. Then repent. Then repent. Jesus prayed in agony. Sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. Are you better than Jesus? We're not. I'll just mention these verses because of the not being on the screen. It'd take too much time. But we find, uh, uh, he says, there are two incentives here in Romans chapter 15. Two incentives. Did you see them? In verse 30, he says, I urge you, brethren, first of all, by our Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, by the love of the Spirit. To strive together, and that's the word, with me in your prayers to God. For me in your prayers to God. We find Jesus is our example. He induces us, if you will, to pray. He commanded that we pray and not lose heart. If you want to write these down, Luke 18.1. He made his name the basis of our prayers in John 15.16. He modeled prayer uh, by spending whole nights in prayer. That's Luke 6.12. And the second initiative here, he says, it's by the love of the Spirit. Is this the love that the Holy Spirit creates in us for each other? Or is it the love that the Spirit has 
for us who helps us. I think it's both by the love of the Spirit. He is working in us. The Holy Spirit is. Both are true. Prayer really does change as we look at change, but it really does move the heart of God to work. Now, I can't put together the sovereignty of God and how prayer works with that and around that, through that, but it does. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that your prayers can change things as you go to God? Probably not if you're not praying. You probably really don't believe that if you're not praying. I mean, that's really what it boils down to. We need to be about this matter of prayer. And so we find that God is working in our hearts. Uh, he is giving us truth in our minds that induce us uh, uh, to pray. And the will is involved in this. Uh, he is working in our hearts to move our wills uh, to pray. He draws our heart into action. He wants our wills to be inclined to prayer for His glory. It's for His glory. God-centered truth in the mind by the Lord Jesus Christ, by the love of the Holy Spirit. When you're asked, why are you praying? You can say, first of all, Jesus is Lord. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. He has all authority in heaven and in earth. And I can go to Him and He hears me. He answers me. He's working in me both to willing to do of His good pleasure. Whoa! Now that is big. I don't know if you realize how big that is. I mean, that's just incredible that the God of the universe will use me in my prayers to change things. But He does. He'll save people through your prayers. Work in their hearts and save them as He did Lydia. It says that Lydia, uh, in, in Acts 16, Lydia was, was, uh, went to a prayer meeting. They were there, and then they came and, and uh, it says, And God opened Lydia's heart, which is the will, because the heart is made up of the mind, emotion, and the will. That's what the cardia is in Greek. And it says, And God opened her will. I'm sorry I'm going to use it, but that's just who she is, Lydia. <laughs> but that's what, that's what God did Amen. to respond to the things that are spoken by Paul. And he did, and you know what? There was a prayer meeting that was going on there. There were, there were people praying. There were people praying. God hears prayers. He uses prayer. You have loved ones that are lost, pray for them. Pray for them. God hears prayers. And then we, we find out that Paul asked them from, uh, to join him in prayer. He's already praying for himself. But he's asking them to join him in prayer, to strive in prayer for him. 
Did God not hear Paul? Is that what Paul is saying? That No. He hears one person when they pray. But you know what? When we join our prayers together, we can all, when that prayer is answered, give thanks to God. Now, where, where do I find that? 2 Corinthians. I will have you turn to this one. 2 Corinthians <clears throat> chapter 1. You see, because God gets all the glory. God gets all the glory, but He uses us. Uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 1, 10 and 11. It says, Who delivered us from so great a peril of death and will deliver us. He on whom we have set our hope and He will deliver us. You also joining in helping us through your prayers. Why? And He gives it. So that Thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the favor bestowed on us through the prayers of many. Thanks. We can all give thanks together. You know, I remember when my, my daughter, uh, Sarah, had her eye healed. And, it, and it's I could go and tell the whole story, and it's just miraculous. Uh, and, but God healed her eye, and, and Janine had taken her to an uh, ophthalmologist, a Christian ophthalmologist here in Mobile, who loves the Lord, and uh, uh, a wonderful friend of the family. And, and uh, he gave her all the tests and said she's technically blind. And, and so uh, we took her uh, to church and, and, and laid hands on her and prayed for her eye to be healed. Now, doctor, isn't the eye one of the most complex organs in your body? It sure is. I mean, you're talking about something that's so incredibly and wonderfully made. I think it's one of the most complex organs, uh, probably. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. But, but anyway, it's just, it's just marvelously made, and God healed her. Yeah. And you know what? Janine took her uh, back to the... Uh, no, I talked to this doctor later on, this uh, ophthalmologist, and he said, you know what? I'm really sad about something. I said, well... What? He said that I didn't lay hands on her and pray for her healing. That when she was here in my office, I didn't pray for her. Because now I didn't join in with her healing, with everyone that gathered together. And, and so we all gave thanks, as he's saying here. No, one, one person. I mean, God can use one person. But boy, when everybody enters into it, we can all give thanks. And so... Uh, no, God hears one person. Paul's not saying that, but he wants them to enter in so they can experience the joy and giving God the glory for doing such a marvelous thing. So, God is working in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do you pray for God to change your will? You pray, change my heart, O oh God. That's your will. Your mind, emotions, and your will. The heart. Change my heart, O oh God. Make it ever true. Change my heart, O oh God. Uh, may I be like you. There's a song. You pray that? Because you know God changes the will of people. We find that there, this was answered uh, uh, his prayer was answered concerning these people. Turn to Acts uh, chapter... Uh, here's another one we'll take time to, to look at. Uh, it's hard to speak and turn 
I can't chew bubble gum and walk, and so when I have to turn pages and talk, it's hard. But anyway, Acts chapter 21 and verse 17. And so he says, okay, Paul says, we're going to Jerusalem, and uh, I'm really worried about these Jewish brethren because this money is going to be coming from you know, Gentiles, and you know what? They may say, we don't want any of that filthy lucre. And they may not receive me. And, uh, but what does it say in verse 17 of Acts 21? After we arrived in Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. Answered a prayer. Answered a prayer. So what about uh, Paul's protection from all of those that would do him harm? Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. And because of the time, I won't read all of that. But uh, in verse, in, in uh, Acts 21, Acts 21, verse 31, uh, 30, 31, and 32, it says, Then all the city was provoked. That is, uh, the unbelievers were provoked. And the people rushed together, and taking hold of Paul, they dragged him out of the temple, and immediately the doors were shut. While they were seeking to kill him, a report came up to the commander of the Roman cohort that all Jerusalem was in confusion. At once he took along some soldiers and centurions and ran down to them, and when they saw the commander and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Why did all that happen? Answers to prayer. And then we find over... In uh, verses 16 uh, 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 of Acts 23, turn to Acts uh, chapter 23, verses 16 through uh, 22. And so, Paul's life is still not out of danger because we find that there is an ambush waiting for him. But it just so happens accidentally that the son of Paul's sister was there to overhear what was going on. Now, if you believe that, then you don't need to pray. You know, God is sovereign, yeah. But he hears prayers, he answers prayers, he's working all these things together for our good, and he uses prayer. This is the result of prayer. Uh, but the son of Paul's sister heard of their ambush and he comes and entered the barracks and told Paul, it says. And Paul called one of the centurions to him and said, lead this young man, and I understand he was a young boy, to the commander now, for he has something to report to him. And he took him and led him to the commander and said, Paul the prisoner called me to him and asked me to lead this young man to you since he, was, he has something to tell you. The commander took him by hand, you know, took him by hand like a, a small boy, and stepping aside began to inquire of him privately, what is this that you have, re have to report to me? First of all, there's a miracle right there that a commander would even listen to this kid. I mean, what are you doing here? You know, go tell your mother she wants you. You know, leave me alone. Get out of here. No, because of the prayers of God's people, this commands. Will said, I'm going to listen to him and what he's got to say. See, I believe that. I believe that with all my heart. 
anyway. He said, the Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Paul down tomorrow to the council as though they were going to inquire somewhat more thoroughly about him and so forth. And, uh, but anyway, we find out, uh, skipping on down, uh, that uh, Paul's life was, was spared. In verse 23 of, of Acts 23, this is pretty neat now. I mean, he could have said, okay, I'm going to get four or five Romans to take care of this situation. That's probably what it will take. In, in verse 23 of Acts 23, what does this command? And he called to him two of the centurions and said, get 200 soldiers. That's kind of an overkill, wouldn't you think? Ready by the third hour of the night to proceed to Caesarea with 70 horsemen and 200 spearmen. I think the situation was going to be taken care of. Why? God intervening. God intervening. We have to, have to see God's intervention in the affairs, our affairs. I just want to exhort you to begin to pray. God is sovereign and he will change hearts as you pray to him. That's amazing. That's just an amazing statement. He's sovereign, but he hears our prayers and answers our prayers and will change hearts. Of lost people to do things that they weren't planning on and then to change the lost heart to come and trust him through our prayers. The reason we pray is because God is sovereign. And somehow or another, the will of God is linked, the sovereign will of God is linked somehow to the prayers of his people. Do I understand that? Oh, yeah. No, I don't understand that at all. I don't understand it at all, but it is true. And God has promised to use you in his sovereign plan he is working in us to accomplish his purpose. But the question is, are we striving? Are we wrestling? Are we agonizing in prayer to God? See, that's our responsibility. Are we doing that? Ask yourself that. I mean, I don't want everybody just to feel guilty and go home defeated. I want everybody to go home and start agonizing in prayer. That's what I want. That's, that's the purpose of this. That we would begin to agonize in prayer. Oh God, bring people here so they can hear the gospel. Do you love the church that much? Do you agonize in prayer over this church? God, bring people here so they can hear the gospel. Or maybe you don't think the gospel's here to be heard. You see what I'm saying? You know, just don't shove it aside. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I, I'm preaching uh, to those and I myself uh, need to hear this as well. Lord, I, I thank you that uh, these Christians in Rome really did agonize in prayer for Paul. They were striving together for Paul. Help us to strive together for each other strive together for you to be glorified so that we might see great and mighty things done so that we would give you all the praise and the glory. Lord, we need you. 
And Lord, we need a powerful intervention of your Holy Spirit in our lives. We need you, Father. Help us to cry out to you, Lord. Because you're our only hope for this nation, for this, this, this congregation, for your church. God, we need you. Bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.